Blog Talk Radio. It's like you're looking through a telescope. You see where you're going to be. Growing, getting better. You're not the person they see. Can't be mad at the things you've been through. Because they built your love so. Now you're stronger than you've ever been. They can't stop your So we do want to remind you of that tonight. Um, 
make sure that if you do have a question or comment, you just jump right in with your question or comment uh, because, again, like I said, there's going to be a lot of information. Uh, I'm going to guess that this might be my special uh, co-host tonight. Uh, area code 501, last four digits of 7657. Call you on the air. Hey, Rodney, how you doing? This is Corey. Hey, this Corey, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> we do appreciate <laughs> it, man. We do appreciate it. Uh, Corey, brief introduction uh, before we get started. Okay, I'm, I'm Corey Barnes. I'm, I'm co-hosting with Rodney tonight. I'm out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, just here to support the show and listen, ready to be informed and enlightened on on his police brutality, some of the things that we don't know about. So I'm just I'm here to listen and and and, and learn uh, out of tonight. That, that's my goal. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Corey, for for helping a brother out. You know you know I need it. Uh, we're gonna go right into this. Uh, Chief Moore, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> yes, Welcome, sir. sir. Here. Welcome. All right, will you do us a favor and just go ahead and uh, we're going to jump right into this and uh, just give the people an uh, introduction of yourself, anything you want to tell them uh, about your background, um, you know, your your anything you want to talk to them about uh, as far as your work history, where you're from, uh, anything that you would like to tell them before we get into the, the meat of this discussion tonight. Well, I'd like to say that uh, when you're talking about moving the garbage can, reminds me of the... Uh, uh, who Moved My Cheese, the book Who Moved My Cheese, and uh, how people uh, began to, uh, you know, they will they will ban out and don't don't try to move uh, beyond that particular cheese path. And so uh, so that reminded me of that book that that I often read in terms of Who Moved My Cheese. But my lifestyle, I will start to the early age of. Uh, uh, where I grew up in the state of Mississippi in a place called Punatock, Mississippi. I grew up on a 40-acre farm with uh, with my family and four, three siblings, and um, we all had the uh, opportunity to walk to school. And uh, we couldn't ride buses, the little red-yellow buses that used to come by our house, and we would have to walk to school because we went to segregated schools and uh but uh however that didn't uh that didn't hamper my uh ability to move my life uh up to uh where it is today uh and I will move for in uh to my career uh I went to the army and uh spent 3 years in the army came out and uh, went back to Mississippi in 1965 and things were still segregated at that time because we were still in the era of uh, Brown versus Board of Education where people were supposed to have integrated our school system, but in, in Pontotoc, Mississippi, that did not happen until 1972. So uh, so I left Mississippi in 65 and went to Rockford, Illinois, and uh, I arrived with a high school education and a uh, and twenty dollars in my pocket, and uh, today, of course, I have a master's degree from the University of Illinois. I also am an author. I have been appointed uh, by President Clinton as a United States Marshal for the Central District of Illinois, and I went back to Mississippi to become the twenty-fifth Chief of Police of the largest police department in the state of Mississippi in two thousand and two. 
and along the way, uh, I, uh, I became an author of the famous book called The President's Men, Black United States Marshals in America. Uh, when I uh, became the U.S. Marshal appointed by President Clinton, I discovered that we, uh, after the Afro-Americans, had been left out of the Marshal Service history book, uh, with the exception of Frederick Douglass, who uh, was uh, allocated uh, two and a half sentences in the book. So, uh, so when I came along, I wanted to know who had come before me, and uh, so uh, and I found out that Douglass and a few other Afro Americans had come before me, but they were all omitted from the history books. So I wrote my book called The President's Men, Black U.S. Marshals in America, and it contained 156 pages. So uh, I have been quite busy and been fortunate to to move my career uh, to where it is. I've also served as a uh, Illinois State Trooper. I've served as a Deputy Chief of Police of Savannah, Georgia, and uh, so as a, uh, I have been fortunate. Uh, I was uh, able to to move my career as well as move my life forward uh, through the blessings of God and all the other things that people that who supported me. Amen to that. Uh, Chief, real quick, um, um, I I do have two questions. The first one is, can you uh, let our listeners know where they can purchase your book or how they can go about purchasing it? Yes, Amazon.com is one way. My my website, uh, blackmarshallpublishing.com, is the most easiest uh, way of getting it because uh, my distribution center is right in my office, and and I can get the book to you uh, the next day. I can mail it the next day. Uh, in fact, I had an order in today, and we are already uh, has got that package ready to go tomorrow. Uh, but Amazon.com, you can get it at Barnes and Noble. Uh, that it would Barnes and Noble will have to order it from me. So, but you can purchase it at Barnes and Noble. Uh, I am the distributor for my entire book. So. Uh, if you go to Amazon.com, it, it comes to me also. Okay, and is it available uh, hardback, uh, hardcover, and ebook, or or how, how can they get it? No, it's just uh, just uh, soft cover right now. Uh, we're we're in the process of looking at uh, doing some hardbacks, and uh, we will we're most like that will be for collection purposes. But uh, right now, you can only order it uh, from the softback. Okay. And I have a question before we get into uh, the things that, you, that you're going to talk about. Uh, in your introduction, you, you, you talked about um, segregation and how, uh, you know, in Mississippi, uh, when you were growing up, you know, how, how things were a lot different than than uh, than what they are today for most of the country. I know uh, in some places, especially in the, in the deep south, things are still, um, you know, maybe a certain way. Um, I had one teacher to tell me that you know there's still corporal punishment where 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 he teaches. Um, but but can you share with the audience why didn't you allow uh, segregation or life in Mississippi to keep you from excelling? Was it your family self motivation? What kept you going in the midst of everything that you were seeing in Mississippi? One of the things that uh, we always was taught from my parents 
you've got to get ahead. Uh, in order to get ahead, you have to get an education. And uh, and that was uh, the theme of our family. And and even though we grew up on a farm and uh, we we had values, we knew what the values that our father and mother instilled in us. Uh, one of the values that, of course, was that uh, to value education. We also was taught to value uh, uh, personal property, where we owned uh, our own property from uh, the time that I grew up. I, I even though we grew up in the South, my father purchased his farm in uh, 1922, and, and I grew up on that farm. And uh, and and today, uh, my values in terms of spilling over because I own several uh, pieces of property in Mississippi, well, is uh, here in Illinois. And so those values that uh, parents instill in you uh, were uh, uh, evident in, in Mississippi. And and when you started to, you knew, uh, you know, what your situation was, and you had to get out of that situation if you were going to, to become successful. Uh, but, however, uh, we found that, the uh, people that grew up in the Mississippi and learning to fight the segregation and learning to fight for your rights, they're still uh, the champions in, 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 in the world today in terms of how we uh, come out of the situation. And I find myself personally, uh, you know, fighting for human rights and criminal justices and all those things. And I think that those values that I, I grew up with in Mississippi or still manifested in me today. I like it. Uh, hey, okay. Uh, let me ask some questions. Hey, uh, hey, sir, how you doing? I'm Corey. I just want yeah. to know how how do you see the difference from what you went through and passing on that knowledge and passing on uh, the value of property and those things? How do you see that different than than today? Well, the values in Mississippi are still there. Because we own, black folks still own so much property in Mississippi. Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I see the differences is that the values uh, that parents uh, do not pass on the values. I I had the, I had the opportunity to discuss with my my grandchildren. Uh, what do you think that we as grandparents value in life? And the first thing they came out of their mouth was education, and 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 uh, and money. And because we don't have any money, but they thought that was a value that we had. But it's interesting to know, uh, you know, uh, people should ask, parents should ask their kids, what values do they have? What 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 values do they think that that they expound? And and I think we have lost that particular piece, and parents passing on values. Uh, to their kids, uh, in in terms of like we like my parents did to me. Okay. Okay. So uh, the one other uh, one other question, I, right now, if we have time. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. Yes, Corey, are you there? Uh, we may have lost him. All right, it, it, <laughs> Corey. Uh, we can't hear you. I'm not sure what happened, but uh, Chief, uh, let's let's go ahead and we can we can always take uh, Corey's uh, Corey's question. But uh, let let's get into the the conversation about dealing with the police. Um, 
you can start wherever you want to start. Uh, but what do our what do our young people need to know about dealing with the police? Well, one of our goals uh, there is a group called Flex Your Rights, uh, and they have come up with uh, the best practices for Afro Americans and others to follow when uh, when stopped by the police. And and we have seen, as you have seen, or all of us in America have seen, that we have a problem with the police and Afro-Americans. And I, I specifically say Afro-Americans because the predominant number of incidents that are occurring are, are between white police officers and, and black um, Americans, not necessarily young ones, but uh, but all all ages here. And, and our goal is to eliminate the deadly street confrontation between police and Afro American, and and those are there are some rules of which uh, that Flex Your Rights has published, and they've done a video, and I have bought into that. I have bought into their uh, uh, educational process, and I believe that if we can uh, uh, educate our our, our nation. Uh, our citizens uh, on the ten rules. I think that we can eliminate majority of these confrontations that are occurring in the street. Okay, uh, you want to speak to those ten rules? Yes, I will go and I will I will start with number one. Uh, number one, we we believe that once you're stopped, you must remain cool and calm. And and there is certain we want you to be able to. Uh, uh, maintain your dignity, but also we want you to remain cool and calm because there are certain things that uh, officers look for when when uh, when we uh, uh, stop at a car or an individual. We're of course we're observing the actions of the individual uh, before we get up, so whether we can determine whether that's going to be a dangerous situation or not. And I was a state trooper. And and I have gone through this. I was a deputy sheriff. I I've gone through stopping people, and I know uh, you know what we look at what a dangerous situation can be. But if an individual remains cool and calm, and it 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 calms us down, and 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 we know that uh, we don't have a problem when we're approaching that vehicle if you remain cool and calm. And and there are just some you know courtesy things that needs to be taught to our, our our citizen and 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 so that's that's number one uh number two uh the fifth amendment allows you to remain silent and and not to incriminate yourself in criminal cases so we we just simply tell the public that though the best protection that you can have in, in not incriminating yourself is just to keep your mouth shut sometime. And if you feel that you uh, uh, have made a problem, you need a lawyer. So that's those are a couple of the things that we need to to uh, teach our, our children, and not only the children, but the uh, but the public itself. Uh, police officers like myself over the years has has undergone numerous training all kind of training and how to deal with difficult people, how to deal with this. And But our citizens are never trained on terms of their rights, and so we think that we have to 
not only invest our monies and, and time and effort, have to invest in our citizens being educated so that they will know their rights and, and they will know when police officers are doing wrong. And But there's a process that we want you to go through if you feel that you've been treated wrong uh, by the police. So those are the first two. So any questions on those two questions? There he is. Go ahead, Corey. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, one of my questions would be is a, uh, explain the process would be one. And uh, so I, I'll let you handle that first, and I'll ask you the other part after you get done. Okay. All right. The process one one of the one of the rules is that we want you to comply with officers' request. We want you to require you know, and if you feel that you're done wrong, we want you to complain. We want you to videotape the situation. We want you to to uh, as a as a chief of police, as a former chief of police. There are some things that we need from the citizen, and, and, and we need you to be a good witness. We need you to file credible complaints, but we don't need to have you out there, uh, you know, creating another situation where you have to defend yourself against some charges, additional charges, like battery if you hit a police officer. And we're going to go through each one of these uh, ten rules that I'm talking about, but we don't want you to have to be, uh, defending yourself when you when you have a valid complaint, and we need that complaint to be clean to come to us from you as a citizen. If you feel that that you have been treated wrong by a police officer, but we encourage you to file those complaints because we need those complaints in order to get rid of bad police officers. We as chiefs of police do not want bad police officers in our in our workforce. And every time that I look up and 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 see the uh, another shooting or etc. of an unarmed person, it feel like a punch in the stomach to me, because there we know that that there could have been handled in a different direction if 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 it could have, if if people had to just slow down and use the escalation methods of which police now are beginning to train their officers in, and and so we really need to de-escalate these incidents before uh, bad things happen. I'm going to jump in here real quick. Corey, I'm going to jump in here real quick just because I don't want to forget this. Uh, Chief, Chief, you said uh, when I met you a few weeks ago, uh, uh, you said uh, that your first day on the job in Jackson, um, you actually had to fire an officer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yes, oh yes. The, the process was already in in place, but uh, but yes, on my first day, that was the first day that I sent a message to. Uh, of course, I could have waited a few days, but I wanted to send a message to to the entire police department that I was serious about misconduct, and 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 those are the things that chiefs have to do. They have to take the opportunity to send messages, and I had 500 officers under me. And uh, so, and you have to, <coughs> excuse me, you have to send the messages uh, through your organization that you are not going to tolerate uh, uh, police brutality, and 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 you can allow a culture to to become bad within that in your system if you don't handle it, and so you you if you don't uh, handle the situation. 
cultures will develop that will tell officers we can get away with stuff, and we have to change that. I like it. Corey, you're back on. Okay. Yeah, I was just actually, I, I would like to know how different back then when you first started out compared to now. Can you kind of take us through that transitional period of where where you started out at as, as an officer and how did the environment change from then until it goes into now? Well, of course, there's a difference. And I started out in 1970 uh, as a deputy sheriff in Rockford, Illinois. And uh, things began to change at that point in time where uh, uh, governmental officials were beginning to get killed uh, by perpetrators. And and we have seen things escalate. Uh, we've seen bad relationships between the police and the community. We've seen that escalate to a point that we have got to the Michael Brown situation. We've got to all the other issues that has has uh, caused the relationships to deteriorate between the police and especially the Afro American community. And and I and I just believe that uh, uh, I've seen it all. I've seen it uh, from 1970 to. 2006 when I retired, and but I'm still heavily involved in my writings and speaking and, and working with the community groups at this point in time. Yes, there is a major change uh, in, in terms of what we're seeing, and, uh, and I can't put my finger on the real cause for it other than societal changes that we're seeing. We're seeing a uh, change in the policing from a what we call from a guardian uh, to a uh, to a warrior type situation, which is not good. We've seen the culture in the police department materialized from a militaristic standpoint of view, and uh, and it's all uh, in in regards to uh, uh, strategies to deal with uh, communities that are erupting in in certain areas, and so we have got to get a handle not only on both the culture in the police department, but we also got to deal with the culture that's occurring in our, in our society. Okay. Okay, good. Just, uh, just, uh, just as a reminder to everyone listening, if you have a question or a comment for uh, Chief Moore, please press the number one uh, if you're listening by, by phone. If you're listening online, please post your, your comments or questions in the chat room. Uh, usually when we do these informative shows, um, a lot of times we don't get questions to the end because we, we've been told that, when, you know, in, in situations like this, people are, like, taking notes or uh, or things like that. So that is fine as well, but, but uh, Chief Boy is on tonight to answer your questions. Just make sure that you press the number one, and he'll be glad to uh, address the uh your your concern uh, and just for you guys tuning in because I just saw a couple people tune in. So far, he's uh, he started talking about the ten rules of uh, dealing with the police. So rule number one, he was just talking about remaining cool and calm, and that you can do that and keep your dignity at the same time. Uh, he's uh, police officers are observing uh, people's actions because that um, you know. They're trying to determine whether or not it's a dangerous situation because I don't think that we realize because we we if we've never been police officers 
that they have to protect themselves too. So they're making sure that these are not dangerous situations. And so when they see that you're cool and calm, then it helps the officers to calm down as well. And then rule number uh, two, he said, the Fifth Amendment is your best protection. Uh, Sometimes we just need to be quiet. We don't always need to uh, jump out there and let people know how we feel, let the officers know how we feel. If there is a problem, if something is happening, videotape it. Uh, Make sure that you are a great witness, uh, even if it's for yourself. Write down everything that happened uh, because they do want these uh, police uh, police reports because as a as a police chief they do not want bad police officers on the street. Sort of like in my profession, I'm a, I'm an educator. I know that parents, uh, I know that principals, superintendents, they do not want bad teachers within the school system because it says a lot about the organization, says a lot about the school system, says a lot about uh, wherever you know you may be working. So. Chief, hopefully I did right with those <laughs> two rules. Uh, and I don't, I don't see any uh, any other questions or comments, so I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, move into number three Ooh, or number, number three. three and four, however you want to do it. Number three and four, we'll deal with number three and number four. Number four is the Fourth Amendment allows you to refuse consent searches. It's your decision to allow the police to search you or use the protection of the Fourth Amendment and refuse consent searches. We have seen this issue uh, all over the country, where mostly Afro-Americans, and I've had one young lady who was 69 years old. I was speaking in Peoria a couple of years ago, and I asked her, why did she allow the police to search your vehicle without consent, uh, by, by, by giving consent? She said, I thought that I had to do it. And, and so many, so many of our citizens think that they, when the police ask them to search their trunk, uh, and that uh, and give they give consent, and and for no particular reason. And 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 the reason that we caution you on this is because you don't know what's in that car. Sometimes, if you allow somebody to drive their car, you could they could have all kind of paraphernalia, illegal paraphernalia in that car, and you not know it, and you give consent to to search that car and and you will be charged with that uh uh with that illegal uh, paraphernalia that's found in the car and so we we caution you you have that right we tell you they you have the right to do it but you also have a right to refuse under the fourth amendment number four i caution you not to get true Go ahead, Corey. No, 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 I'm going to finish number four. I'll come back to number three. I got a question. Yes, go ahead. All right. So say, say we, I'm, ride, I'm riding in the car, because in, in Arkansas it's a big thing. You ride in the car, you're going toward uh, Texas, and you feel intimidated. Like you have to, like, you have to do this. They, they don't give you an option. It's like, okay, if you don't do it, I'm going to find a reason to do it. And then they just ripped your car. At that point, they're just ripping your car apart. So you're looking like, okay, I'm 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 you know dogged out if I do I'm dogged out if I don't. So how do I how could you give me some advice to avoid that situation? You've got to be strong enough to withstand illegal stuff. You've got to okay. make sure you, you you and I can say the in in this video we want you to view our video on my website at okay. uh, Black Marshall Publishing and go to uh 10 rules. 
We want everybody to take that opportunity to go to this video, and it would tell you that you got to be strong enough to withstand the pressures that sometimes the police officer is going to put on you. But that's why we tell you also not to create an incident out there in the street because it's just you and that officer sometimes. And, and, and you've got to be able to, to make sure that you don't do anything to cause harm to yourself. And uh, okay. But we want you to, uh, if you do refuse, it's not about just, just refusing sometimes. It's not about whether or not the officer don't do it. It's, it's, it's that when you go to court, you can say that I refuse to do it, and they, they did it anyway. That means they have violated your rights. And, and and a lawyer, a good lawyer, can can defend you on that. So we we encourage you to uh, to understand your rights. That's why we want you to know your rights. You have the right to to refuse that consent, search it, and but you but you also now if they get a warrant for searches, now that's a different story. Now, that, but that's okay. what we want them to do. We want them to get a warrant if they feel that that there's a violation that needed to be. We want them to get a warrant, but what happens is they will ask you for consent, and knowing the times out of ten, people will say yes, sir, go on and search my car. But uh, but I want you to watch that video, and you will see, understand a little bit more better than I'm explaining it to you why you should not do that. Okay, can you give us that website one more time, please? Yes, BlackMarshallPublishing.com. Right. Ten rules slash ten rules. It'll be on my website. Thank you, sir. All right, go ahead with okay. uh, number four, chief. Number four, I caution you not to get tricked into giving up your constitutional rights. Police can legally lie to you. We are given the opportunity or the latitude to lie to citizens because we are charged with solving crime. And sometimes this is the only way that we can solve crime. But you also have to understand that, that you don't have to give up your rights because because we lied to you. And uh, so so those are some things that, that you need to be aware of, that we can legally lie to you. We will tell you you're going to get 40 years in prison just for, for having a, a marijuana joint. And if you don't give up the – if you don't give up your – your source on that, we're going to send you to jail for 40 years. Now, we're lying to you, but we can legally do that. <laughs> That's <Wow>. good information. <laughs> that, that, is, that is really good information because I, 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 I'll share this. Um, I've seen a number of, of cases um, very close to me where um, people that I know found themselves in bad situations, uh, you know, when I was younger in, uh, in college, um, working at the warehouse, um, I saw people lose their jobs because they were told, hey, if you just tell us X, Y, Z, if you just tell us what we want to know, then, you know, we'll, then we won't do anything to you. We'll just go after those people. And so those people would admit to doing certain things just because they're told, hey, if you lie, if you tell us, you know, if you tell us that you did this, then, you know, we'll save your job. And the moment they say, I did X, Y, Z, then there was their job because you just admitted to co- co- committing a crime. 
And, you know, this, the, the, the same thing when it comes to legal matters uh, with, and maybe on the street. I've seen that happen where people get so afraid, like you said, Chief, because we don't know our rights, and I don't think we spend enough time trying to find out what our rights are. And that's critical. It's really critical. And 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 as I say, this is uh, you know free bargaining jumps into all of this stuff and goes on in that. But we need to, uh, like I say, we just need to teach the citizens their rights to uh, have, have a better understanding of the law. Chief, we have a question. Uh, we have a question coming in, and the question says. Uh, do you think when police lie, it sets down the amount of trust people uh, have for the law? No, it does not, Because simply because we have to have these tools in order to solve some of these complex crimes. And the citizens, you as a citizen, demand that if you have uh, an incident where you are the victim of a perpetrator and you would want us to have all of the uh, uh resources necessary to solve your particular crime. And uh, the Supreme Court has uh, given us that right uh, to lie to citizens uh, in order to make sure that we can get our jobs done. Oh, wow. I, I did, and, and I really didn't know it came from the Supreme Court. Uh, once again, those of you, I see we've had a number of uh, uh, callers to uh, to dial in. Thank you so much uh, for, for uh, tuning in with us tonight. Uh, again, Tammy is uh, Tammy is not with us, uh, but but she definitely wanted to be. Uh, so Corey is helping me uh, uh, do this show tonight, and we have on the line with us retired U.S. Marshal um, and Police Chief uh, Robert Moore, um, giving out some some very 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 uh, good information. Um, if you have a question or a comment. Uh, please press the number one, and we, we will always uh, pull you in by your area code and the last four digits of your phone number. And then uh, if you post something online, uh, we will uh, read those out online just like I uh, did just now. What I do want to do real quick before we jump into number five and number six, Chief, uh, if you would give out your website information again and any other contact information uh, and and tell us about your book again uh, just for the new people who uh, log, uh, logged in. Yes, my book is The President's Men, Black United States Marshals in America. We were all left out of the history book. Uh, that was published by the Justice Department in uh, 1998. And uh, and I came along in 1994 and discovered that all the black marshals were left out, so I wrote uh, our own history. And so my points are that uh, to the listeners out there, if you feel that your history has been left out, uh, of uh, books, and there's no need of you getting angry. And that's what I did. I didn't get angry. I just wrote the history myself. And uh, it is now all over the country. And But my website is uh, Uh You can get the book at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble stores, and numerous stores in Mississippi. All right, all right. Excellent information. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, we have a caller, uh, Chief. Uh, we're gonna pull in caller from area code two four zero. Your last four digits are six zero nine six. Caller, you are on the air. <clears throat> hey, hey, George. Hey, Rodney. How you doing? I'm good. Hello, Is this Tony. 
This is Tony. What's up, man? Hey, man. Everything is good, man. What you got for us, man? I've been good, man. I'm just. I was just listening, man. I I chimed in for a second, but I just. I'm listening. So I was like, wow. Okay, you got a great guest on here to uh, talk about this. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Okay, so here's my question, and, and, and maybe it's and this is to the uh, the chief who's who's a retired marshal. I have had police officers stop me for absolutely no reason. Now I never have any kind of drugs in the car, anything. Um, I've never had to worry about alcohol because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any of that. And of course, I've had them stop me, and you know, for, and I say DWB. You know, I was driving my, like I drive a Benz, so they stopped me for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Doesn't make me angry because I expected it when I bought the car. But my point to you is, and my question to you is, you know, they said, hey, you know, can I look at your car and search it? And I said, okay, of course, go ahead, because I know I had not anything to hide. Should I be worried about something like that? Should you be worried about something like that? Yeah, I mean, if I have nothing to hide. Definitely so. You should be worried about that because you don't know if somebody left a gun in your car, uh, if you had somebody, uh, a passenger riding, and, and put something under your seat, like a, a marijuana or drugs. You don't know. You don't know. You you let somebody have your car, and, and next thing you know, that you're responsible for anything that, that's found in your car. And But they have to have one of the things that you, uh, you need to be aware of uh, if, if you're being stopped they need to have probable cause so they stop you. And, uh, and, and of course, probable cause is in a reasonable, reasonable belief that you are, have violated a law or violated some type of, or, or, and we'll, we get to don't become a nuisance in a little bit on one of the rules here. And, uh, but, uh, but they got to have probable cause to stop you. This can't be coming stopping you just because of nothing. And that's why we want you to document it if this occurring. We want you to document it so we can get it stopped. Okay. Okay. All Thank right. you for that advice. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 Tony, thanks for thanks for tuning in, man. And uh, do me a favor. Uh, when I take you out of queue, uh, press the number one for me just so that if you have a question or comment later in the show, I can pull you back in. Okay. So you want to press one now? Uh, yep, you can go ahead and press one now, and uh, it should clear. If it doesn't, I'll let you know. Uh, press it one more time, and we should be good. Uh, all right, Chief, uh, let's go to uh, Tony. You're you're good. Thank you so much, man. Uh, Chief, let's go to number five. Number five, if you are not, if the police officer is not arresting or detaining you, you may simply ask, "Am I free? Am I free to go?" And what we mean by that uh, is it's often confusing sometime out there whether or not an officer is, is detaining you or if he is arresting you. And uh, so you need to ask that question sometime, uh, when, uh, or am I free to go? And uh, so that will at least will sometime that will stop an escalation of, a, of an incident. And but you need to, and when you ask these type questions, you need to ask them in a calm and cool manner, because we our our goal here once again is to eliminate the street confrontation. That's our goal. 
and 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 the things that we can do as an individual. I want Afro Americans to manage their police stops. I want them to manage their own police stop by doing what is necessary to uh, to make sure that there is no confrontation that's going to occur. Do everything they can. We can't always control what the police officer does, but we can control what we do. We definitely can control what we do. That is good advice. And at what point, at what point, Chief, uh, would you say is a is a good time to to ask that question? Because obviously, you know, if, a, if if an officer pulls you over, you know, as soon as he gets up to the car, you don't want to say, "Can I go?" Um, when would be no, a good it, time? There's to, a reasonable. There's a, a reasonable. There's a reasonable uh, point of time that a person uh, officer can detain you. Of course, we got to run a check on you and all that stuff. But the but normal time that you shouldn't have a problem with that. But if you're unsure, uh, you know, uh, about yourself, just ask the question, am I free to go? Uh, you know, am I being arrested or am I free to go? And that's a very simple question to ask. And and he's got to, you got to, he'll, he'll have to answer it one way or the other. Now, if you violated the law, if you have violated some um, some ordinance, or law, you can be arrested, of course, and and uh, but uh, but you know just don't let it staying out there forever. Just go in and ask that question. All right. Okay. Uh, number six. Number six. Here is one that I want everybody to listen to. Don't expose your presence to the police by being a nuisance. Loud music, hanging stuff from your. Uh, View view mirror, uh, not changing the uh, signal lights on when you change lane, not parking in the street uh, and talking side by side. Those are nuisance things that will cause attention of the police, and and that will cause you to be stopped and and all those things. So don't become a nuisance in in terms of uh, things that you do, and we see that all the time. Uh, unfortunately, we see it, and you just just making a nuisance of yourself, and and that gives a police officer probable cause. Now, I'm I'm going to say this, and and uh, about the Michael Brown situation, and I don't know uh, whether Michael would have still been alive today if he had just got out of the street, uh, if that was the case. I don't know if that was the case, and I'm not judgmental one way or the other on it. I'm not taking a position on it. But I'm simply saying that we, when we, when we just simply uh, just uh, heed to the request of a police officer and get on out of the street, or if it's to get out of the car, and you will see that you have to do that, get out of a car, if an officer requests that. And there are just so many things that we have to learn that is backed up by the Supreme Court. That that we uh, most of the time. The, uh, most of the time, officers are going to do right. There are also the ones that are going to do wrong, and we know those. Those are the ones that we want to get off the street. But most of the time, the most of the officers are going to heed to the law. And But we also uh, do things because we have the right uh, to do it uh, by law and by Supreme Court rules. Okay. So, so let me see. Go ahead. Sorry about that, Rodney. No, go ahead, uh, Corey. 
right, so so I'm, uh, you give us a lot of, a lot of great information, and I'm I'm in awe right now because a lot of these things I did not know. Uh, and I'm from the south, so if I'm riding in my car and and I'm with my family, right, and the police officer pulled me over, and they say, "Hey, boy, where are you going?" And you look at them crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't give an answer. You're like, well, you know, I'm just going, you know, you don't give them a direct answer. Is, do they have a right at that point to do anything to you at that point? Well, or the situation, like I can say, how could you manage that situation better? Okay. How could you manage that? that those are the questions that, that has to be asked. And like I say, and as we're talking about getting out of a situation, getting on about our business and managing our own stops, and and in terms of not if if you if you have an officer with a bad attitude and you turn around and give him a bad attitude, what's going to happen? Confrontation. 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 You answered your question. You answered your own question. So so we can manage our own situation because number one, number one, we just don't want a confrontation because we can't win that confrontation in the street. We can't win it. We cannot win it. And people ask me all the time, well, if he pushes me, if he hits, well, if you turn around and hit him back, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be charged with a felony because you hit that officer. Even though he did you wrong, you you will hit him, turn around. He said, I had a question asked me the other day. He said, well, if he pushes me and I turn around to push him back, well, you just committed a felony. You uh, just so, so I don't have a right to defend myself. I don't have a right, right to defend myself. I don't have a right no. to defend myself. You want to defend wow. you if you if you want to defend yourself, your defense is to file a complaint. Your defense is to file a complaint. As I said earlier, you don't want to put yourself if you file a complaint and you start a confrontation out there in the street, then you bring the complaint to me and you got a charge of battery or resisting arrest on you. You have got now got to spend money to try to get that charge off of you, and 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 try to get it dismissed, and well is is having is 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 putting credibility on your statement that you didn't do anything. That wow. makes sense. So yeah, that, that makes very sense. So because uh, I'm I'm in I'm in awe right now, Rodney. I'm really because I'm thinking like you know if if he hits me. And I have witnesses. I should be able to at least defend myself from getting beat down. Well, so be, beat down, beat down, being beat down. You have all kinds of options. You have an option to sue. Right. You have an option to go to court. You have an option to file a complaint against battery against that officer. Okay. But but the law, uh, it says simply say if you commit a felony on me, I now can take your life. Wow. If you wow. batter me, if you batter me, I can now take your life. Wow. Then that's 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 something. That's a that's that's a hard one to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we <laughs> we have got to, we have that's why that we are are taking the time to talk to citizens about their rights and how to manage their manage their stops. And, and we guarantee you, if you if you follow these rules, you will go home. The officer will go home. The officer is just not going to basically unless they're unless he's a complete idiot, 
He's just not going to start a confrontation out there. Something, everyone, and we look at every one of these confrontations that we had. One Chicago, kid had a knife. Uh, don't, don't have no knife. Don't have no gun. Don't, don't do that. Now, we know that people are getting shot unarmed. We know that. And but we want all those officers to get go to jail and and spend the rest of their life there. That's what we want for those officers. And 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 but we want right now until we get that situation fixed, and the system will eventually fix it, because we're indicting more officers now, and we're sending them more to jail now. But we can't control that at this point in time. Society has got to control that. Politicians has got to control that. And all the things that's got to have to occur in order to get those police officers back in line. But there, I want to say what we can do. What can okay. Afro Americans do besides that? In terms of of uh, uh, until that situation gets squared away, I want us to be able to protect ourselves. I want us to go home. I want us to not die in the streets anymore. Those are the things that I want. All right, so well, the other question I would have, go ahead. I'll go ahead, Ryan. I'm sorry, because he just baffled me. <laughs> uh, Chief and Corey, just real quick, Corey, write your question down. I do want um, to pull no in our caller because I don't, want our, I don't want our callers to wait too long. So I'm going to pull in our caller from area code 330, and your last four digits are 4094. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, this is Henry. How's everybody doing? Good. Fine, how are you doing, Henry? Henry? How are you? Fine. Good, great. Hello to the guest. I, I forgot your name. My um, name is Bob Moore. Bob Moore. Uh, nice to meet you, brother. Um, I talked to two police officers one time. I was sitting at a Starbucks. Uh, two white police came in, one male, one female. I pulled the male aside, and I explained to him. I said, I want to know from a policeman's point of view, if you are being, if they're abusing the authority and they're beating me, okay, they got you down, you complying to everything, but it's just you just got one of the racist good old boys, and they decided it's going to get a piece of you. They got you down, they're stomping you, whatever, whatever. What, is, what are we as a citizen legally allowed to do? He told me that we had the right to defend ourselves. He said, you always have the right to defend yourself. He said, you always have the right for self-defense. And I said, well, what if, I said, but when I, if, if I choose to defend myself, then they're going to shoot me and they're going to kill me. He said. He said. Well, he said. Listen. All I can tell you is that she has the right to defend herself. So it, it well, seems like just a little bit of conflicting information. And and and, and one of one of the part B to the question. My my is, advice my advice is 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 the fact that I'm telling you what's going to happen. You can make that decision. As I said in the Fourth Amendment, you will make those decisions. You will make that decision whether you want to defend yourself. I'm not going to tell you not to defend yourself. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if, in fact, you do hit a police officer. I'm, I, I'm going to tell you. you. I'm going I to tell you, you that. And, I, I, uh, I totally agree with you, but but what I'm trying to say is you you're, there's conflicting information coming from Police well, officers. you're going to have but, that. But wait, you're, but, going to, you're going to have that from different officers. You got, uh, got you will you will hear all kind of uh, uh, advice, uh, and and but I'm just going to I'm just telling you what's going to happen if in fact you hit a police officer or you resist a police. You can defend yourself. 
if you but I'm telling you there are options, better options than fighting with a police officer. I'm just telling so, you there are so, better options. So this is my question. If you feel as though that the officers got you down and they're beating on you and you feel like your life is about to end, okay, because they're slamming your head. Sometimes those guys will put their foot on top of your head and slam your face into the concrete, all kind of stuff. At this point, you really think maybe you're sick, maybe you got asthma, maybe you got heart problems. You mm-hmm. really think you're going to die. Okay. When you say just file a complaint, you're, that person might be thinking that, okay, I'm not going to live through it to make the complaint. So okay, what are, your options? what are your what options? You what are your options? Let's look at the you options. Die or you, okay? or you die. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't see how sitting there is going to get me home. Well, I think I'm going to die anyway. Well, I'm 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 just I'm just I'm just saying what the options are. I'm I'm not I'm not going to tell you not to defend yourself. I, I would be foolish to do that. I'm just telling you, look at the option. Look at an option, a way of handling it better than, than uh, so, so so you get up. You start to defend yourself. How, how are you going to defend yourself? You're going to shoot the officer? You're going to hit the officer? How, how are you going to do that? What, how, how, what's your definition of defend, defending yourself? Well, uh, I, I would be sure that you probably wouldn't have a gun because I'm pretty sure if you're complying that they would have probably already taken, uh, frisked you and took the gun from you. What I'm, what I'm thinking is if you actually thought you were going to die and you somehow got up and fought, there have been instances of have got up and fought and ran away from the officer, and I, they, of course they were pursued and they were caught again. Right. I think that once adrenaline kicks in, it's hard to it's hard to control adrenaline. It's hard when you think you're going to die and that fight or flight kicks in. It's hard to control that. When it's like since you make a move, it just all the move, other moves just take just happen on their own. You know, you well, know the that you take your first well, swing. <laughs> well, the one thing that we want to teach both citizens and police to de-escalate de- a situation before it even gets there. What 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 caused that situation to get there? And I can say we know that there are officers out there. That is going to get across the line. We know that, but we've got to find a way of of controlling that particular piece. But but we don't want that citizen out there to think that they can handle that situation in the street. It just ain't going to happen. It just can't happen. Now, if you feel that your life, of course, you're going to do what you can do to save your life, and you have a right to do that. But we're talking just look at uh, if a situation doesn't get to that point. If it doesn't get to that point of life and death, there are options for you to take without in, in getting in more involved and, and for de-escalating that situation. And that's just my what, advice on that. One more tiny little question. What is yes, the sir. law if, if other people around you, let's just say that they're beating you down and the people around you realize these cops are actually breaking the law, this this guy is compliant and they're beating you down. And so all of a sudden now the people around him jump the cops. Now, well, and, and I, pull I him off that, or whatever the case may be. If that that should be, somebody should should come to your rescue. Somebody should come to your rescue, but you still have to be careful. Because of uh, officer will say that you're interfering with a lawful arrest or a lawful police action, and and so you just have to be careful 
in doing that. And But uh, I think that communication, we've got to learn to communicate better. We've got to learn to understand that uh, that we do have some bad folks out there and that we just try to avoid all these street confrontations. And I think that we can if we don't even let it get to that point. And I think that's where I'd like to, to leave that point. This is this, this is this is Rodney. This is Rodney, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna come back in here because uh, we have a couple of comments that I want to get to, um, and then I want to continue with these rules. And 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 what I'm gonna say is is, is this. Uh, first of all, uh, Henry, thank you for those questions. Um, what I'm gonna say is is this. Um, there are a lot of different scenarios that we can we can sit here tonight, continue this conversation tomorrow into next week. There are a lot mm-hmm. of different scenarios. But I think the bottom line from what I'm gathering is it is very important for, for us as citizens to understand that when it comes to you and law enforcement officers, no matter how much you don't like it, no matter how you feel about it, you may have strong opinions. What all I'm hearing is you are not going to win that battle in the street. And I think it comes down to a power struggle because if you're like me, you grew up in the hood and, you know, nobody's going to punk me and you're taught to hate the police and all this other stuff. But the bottom line is, yes, it, it, it's never going to be a perfect system, never. And no. you can follow all of these ten rules. Chief and I were talking about this a few weeks ago. You can follow all of these ten rules and you still might end up getting hurt or might end up right. dying. Exactly. It, it, it's exactly. never going to be perfect. It's, it's, it's a system with flaws. However, if, if we can at least reduce these number of infractions, these number of negative encounters, if we can go from uh, 2,000, uh, well, let's say 20 African-American males or 20 people, period, being killed by police, if we can drop that number down to 10 this year and then drop it down to 5 next year, we're making progress. And that is Absolutely. what we all have to want. We all have to want progress. Uh, Chief, real quick, before we get into the next rule, I want to read a couple of comments. Um, one of them says, I wonder why the laws are not caught in our school. Do you want to address that in our school system? Do you want to address that real quick, Chief? Well, there's just so much uh, curriculum that you can put into an eight-hour day or how many hours, six hours that you put into uh, into the system. And and we have been, uh, uh, we'll be talking with the superintendent here uh, in terms of seeing how we can address uh, the student body with these ten rules and, uh, and, and some of the law. Uh, but quite a few of us, People are teaching these uh, how to deal with their own rights, uh, but most of the time we don't listen. We just we just ignore it. Our own uh, things that are good for us, we ignore it. But uh, but to answer that question, there's just so much you can get into the school system, and uh, and there are other ways of getting that information. Okay. Um, the next comment, uh, this was, this goes back to something that uh, you were saying uh, moments ago, and I couldn't get it in, so it may be a little off, but it just says this is why people fear police. Uh, when you were talking about uh, when this conversation first started a few minutes ago, this point, um, I think it's rule number six, 
how you were talking about, you know, things that we should do and how we should defend ourselves. And it just says this is why people fear police, because people can't have any emotions or reactions in front of an officer. Any That's thoughts not there? true. That's not true. You can have emotion. But uh, we want uh, uh, most of the times negative emotion is what causes the problem on both sides. And and if we can control those, these these encounters are going to happen within ten minutes. And and I'm sure we can we can control our emotion in a ten minute stop or a fifteen minute stop or whatever it is. But uh, but we want to get rid of that fear uh, from the police. We really do. We don't want you to fear the police. We want you to co-opt the police. We want you, that's what community policing is all about. We want uh, you to become more involved with the police, understanding what their roles are. We want you to visit the police departments. We want you to do a ride-along. There are all kinds of things that we want you to do, the police departments want you to do, in order to improve community relations. And we don't want you to be afraid of the police. We don't want our children to be afraid of the police. We want them to uh, grow up to be police officers. We have many openings, $50,000 jobs all over the country, $70,000 jobs starting. We want IF-American kids to become police officers so that we can help control these things that's going on. That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's good information. Go ahead, Corey, and then we're going to jump into rules uh, 7 through 10. All right, so on that point right there, uh, coming from African-American community, uh, sometimes you, you get a white cop, and they don't have, I guess, they uh, the way we, we relate to each other. And when you get a person that's from the hood, right, the way they relate to other people, they can be misconstrued as something else. So how do a person from a different background that react different, how do they translate that into being, you know, communicating with a white cop that's from a suburban, high-class neighborhood? You have two different people that communicate two different ways. So how do you how do you tell the viewers to handle that situation? Well, I think that we all have to live in do we live in a lot of different worlds we live in. We we have social stratas that we live in, but we have to learn the things. I'm, I grew up in Mississippi. I I now okay. can operate from the cotton fields of Mississippi to the White House and to the to the to the. Uh, boardrooms where I serve on the board of directors of Orange Lake, but I grew up in Mississippi, and 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 we have to learn that one culture we we can't we can't just define our culture and 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 communicate within our own culture. We're a global economy. We're a global world. We have to learn to operate within this world, not within our community. And, and and until we learn to do that, we have to learn to communi- communicate. And we can teach ourselves how to communicate with officers that you don't know because they want to communicate with us. They are we are demand that this officer communicate. And so it it takes both sides. It, and and sometimes it just takes a, a, a just a little bit of a cooperation on both sides to get that done. All right, one other right. question before you go to the other other two. How do you? How can we tell our kids? How do we train our kids on these techniques? We we teach our kids. I want you. I want you to sit down. I want you to go to my website, the Ten Rules. 
I want you to go to and sit down in the comfort of your home and, and watch that video. And you explain to your kids. That's how we do it. We explain, I explain to my grandkids. My grandkids know what they what's expected of them. They know that they don't come in my house and knowing that they're going to have a confrontation with a police officer out there or any other authority figure. You know, any other authority, I'm, I'm repeating that, any other authority figure. See, what happens that our, our youth start disrespecting us, and then they go to school and disrespect the teachers. Then they go to someplace else and disrespect. Then they come to the street and want to disrespect the cop who's got the gun. And and so we've got to change that. We have simply got to change that scenario and teach our kids values. They must value the law. They must value property. They must value other people's property. They must value life. Those are the things that we teach our kids, the values of which we have grown up with ourselves. And if we teach those kids our values, and I'm teaching my grandkids my values, and, 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 and it's been passed on, and I see the results. Absolutely. All right, we're going to jump into uh, number seven and eight, Chief, and then I have some more comments that I want to read, but I want to get into uh, seven and eight. Number seven, we have seen this one happen throughout uh, America when these officers uh, have shot one in Calif- uh, one in North South Carolina and, and one in Baltimore. Don't ever run from the police. Don't ever run from the police. The man that ran from the police... In, in South Carolina, and the police officer was wrong. He was wrong, and I want to tell your audience that he was definitely wrong, and he was he's now being prosecuted for it. But that person did not have to run. There's nothing that you can do that bad that you have to run from the police because, number one, we're going to catch you anyway. You're just prolonging your capture just by running. But But don't run. There is no reason to run. If you got a warrant out from you, we're going to catch you anyway. So you just prolonging the the thing. But what that does, it it puts it into a different category because we don't know why you're running. Police don't know why you're running. You could have just robbed a, a store. You could have just been uh, killed somebody, and you decided to run. And 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 that puts things into a whole new category. But even if you did that, you're only going to get arrested. You're only going to go to jail rather than getting killed like some people did here that we've seen recently. But there is no excuse for officers to shoot people because they run. Now, you're going to see changes coming down the pike uh, from police world that's going to prohibit things from like this happening and prohibit things from people shooting at cars, which is already there in the law but you're going to see more tightening of rules from the citizens uh, demanding that police officers do certain things. But uh, but don't run from a police. All right. What's number eight, Chief? Number, number eight is the biggie. Don't ever touch, hit, push, or resist an officer. This can turn into a felony charge. Michael Brown. Turn that situation. I don't know whether it was true or not. I don't know whether or not he hit that officer. I don't know. But the officer, somebody said it. He did, and it turned that situation into a felony. 
Had he not touched that officer, had he not done that, the officer would not have had a legal right. I don't believe he had a moral right. That's one of the things that we got to look at. Just because the law gives an officer an opportunity or the right to shoot, they don't have to do that. That They do not have to shoot everybody because the law allows it. But but what this rule does here, don't touch, don't hit, don't resist an officer because it can turn into a felony. And once the felony has turned in, I can now take your life. Wow. Wow. Corey, you got any questions? <laughs> this is bad for me right there. That's deep right there. <laughs> hey, you know, That's a lot, tough lot medicine, Corey. It's tough. Cause, no, a lot of times I'm it's not the, I'm not the one to be speechless. I'm not the one to be speechless <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> but I'm learning so much because of these laws I had no idea of. I had no idea. There's certain things I, I was allowed to do but not allowed to do. Because I figured that as, as a human and as a citizen, I was allowed to defend myself at all costs. And that, you know, I had the right to defend myself if he hit me. I'm still learning out that I don't really have that right because there are some things that come along with it that he can penalize me for just defending myself. That's right. Now, that wow. doesn't make it right for that officer to do. Now, if that officer batter you, you have a right to charge him. Wow. See that so that those sure situations we just can't win those situations out in the street there. It just it just can't win them. All right. So so you're because they get too as, messy. As, they get too messy. Right. So so you're saying fight don't don't fight in the street. Fight it in the court where we have a, uh, a better chance of winning. Absolutely. So the the Chicago Police Department has paid out over uh, fifty something million dollars, five hundred million dollars, for stuff that those police officers are doing. And uh, but uh, but like I say, uh, let's fight it in the courts. Let's file I, I those complaints. Point. Let's file those complaints. Let's let's uh-huh. take let's take our our own lives in our own hands and manage it. That's what I'm telling you to do. Become uh-huh. stop becoming a victim. Stop being a victim, and 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 understand what the law is. Understand your rights, and and don't do stuff that's going to get you in trouble. Or get you killed. That's what we're trying to teach people. So let me ask you this question. How would you explain to us as black citizens, as, as citizens, period, black, white, brown, or whatever, when we see these uh, grand juries, right, they come out and they don't indict anybody, how do you re- relate it to us to say, hey, let's trust the system. It's going to work for us. How do you relate that message back to say it does work? Well, as I said, until we can get the system back under control, and it's mm-hmm. and it's happening. It's happening now because of the protests of Black Life, Black Life Matter. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court's going to step in. All these things are going to happen. We have this thing to get out of control. And let me let me let me tell you, when the police get out of control, the the courts come in. Uh, if you're familiar with the one going back to the Fifth Amendment, the Miranda warning, uh, yes. where years ago. Police abused the rights of citizens, uh, in 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 where they could wouldn't give them a lawyer. Now the Supreme Court stepped in, and that rule has been in effect forever. Now we're going to see the system correct itself again, because citizens are tired of this stuff, and but we have to become good citizens, and but we can't do it by fighting in the street. It just ain't going to happen. Now you will be a test case. 
uh, if, if, if these things happen. But we are trying to eliminate, we are trying to simply, I'm telling the people, eliminate. The system will eventually correct itself. But we as citizens got to file complaints. We've got to protest the things that are wrong. And, and, and But we can't become involved criminally in a situation and expect to get it changed. Okay. Great information. Rodney? Chief, while we're, while we're on this conversation, because uh, we've had people, uh, you know, on and off the lines um, or online, uh, will you talk about, again, what this does to the credibility of their police report when they file one? Yes, if you get charged with a criminal, if you're fighting uh, a, a charge of resisting arrest or battery against a police officer, an officer, and we've seen, we we unfortunately we see police officers write reports that which are not true, and 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 uh, fortunately uh, in the ones in Chicago that that got brought to light, but that, that doesn't always the case, and and most of the time. As, as the culture within the police department where you believe everything that the officers say, we have that in some police cultures, and and we need to avoid that. But but we want a good complaint, but we don't want you having to go to court to get a, a, a case dismissed because of something that you did as called a battery or, or, or resisting arrest or, or those type of things that you don't need to do that. Because uh, you know uh, you might win your case, uh, but you don't need to be paying money out to lawyers just to defend something that you could have avoided in the first place. Mm. All right, number nine, chief. Number nine, comply with officers' requests, report misconduct, and file complaints. Become a good witness. That is so critical for us as chiefs of police. We need we need good good good. And I uh, I, I looked at some reports here recently from the local police department that were filed by some complainants, and and the the complaint just was not credible. And just and I don't know whether the person could couldn't write, or couldn't couldn't get it down on paper, but uh, when the person was interviewed. Uh, it just didn't stand up and hold water what he was saying. So uh, you have got to do uh, uh, due diligence and in helping uh, your responsibility. It is your responsibility to make sure that your reports are good, because that's the only way that we're going to get uh, these bad officers off the street. And I'm looking at one in Champaign, Illinois, right now, where the NAACP is uh, all over one of the situations where a police officer did some mis- misdeeds and they hired him back, but they are now pushing to get him fired again. So so communities have to help police their own communities. You have to help police your own community. Now, I need to say this, that, that, that uh, older Afro-Americans in the community, they want more police protection. They want to have... They're investigated, but the younger folks, uh, they want less. So there's a conflict that goes on in terms of how much policing should be in a community because of the of, of, of the situations that in age differences. But 
but we are trying to to make sure that we investigate uh, the right criminal activity, but we also got to make sure that we treat folks right, and that's what we have to do. And we can't we can't do that by ourselves. We need the citizens, but we need the citizens to do their part to understand the law. We need them to understand their attitude. Sometimes the most attitude will determines our altitude. It really does. It has my attitude has has determined my altitude, and my altitude has risen all the way from the cotton fields of Mississippi to a, a presidential appointee. And 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 I tell people, you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing that I did. But there are certain rules and regulations that we have to follow, and we don't always want to follow the rules. And we need to do that better. Amen to that. Uh, just, uh, just real quick before we pull in our next caller, uh, if you're tuning in with us tonight, we have uh, retired U.S. Marshal and uh, Police Chief uh, Robert Moore on with us, uh, discussing the ten rules for dealing with police and uh, sharing information with us about his book. Um, and please do not go anywhere because I'm gonna. I don't know if uh, Chief remember ha- uh, having this one particular conversation with me, but I want him to address uh, something else uh, tonight. Um, and then we're gonna get into a couple of other things, and we'll have you guys off of here. Uh, but we're gonna bring in our caller. From area code seven seven zero, last four digits are zero two eight two. Call you are on the air. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I, I I'm very honored to speak to you, sir. Uh, 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 Marshall, uh, how are you? Fine. How are you? Uh, I'm a retired uh, police officer. In fact, I was a uh, certified. Use of force instructor, firearms instructor, defensive tactics, SWAT team, a whole shot. Uh-huh. And while I understand that, um, you know, these incidents involving uh, police officers using sex, excessive force are very sexy, you get all the headlines, as they properly should, by the way, because all things being equal, a police officer um, who exceeds his authority, particularly in the use of force, particularly use of any sort of physical force is of greater consequence than a civilian who does the same because of the authority imbued in him by government. So I understand that. I accept it. I expect it. And I want it to happen if there is a need for such scrutiny. But this is my experience, sir, in 26 years of law enforcement. In 26 years of law enforcement, this is my experience with officers in using force. It is my experience that more often than not, when a police officer has to use force to effect an arrest or restrain a suspect. Usually, they use too low a level of force to start out with rather than too high a level of force. And often, this leads to either the police officer being injured or him being used to use force than, more force than would otherwise have been necessary to subdue the suspect. And a lot of people just don't, they, they don't even believe this is possible. They don't think it happens. But believe me, I saw it more often than not, and when I instructed police officers, I would constantly tell them, don't be afraid to use the amount of force that you need to use to restrain a suspect. And this is a perfect example of it available on the web, where there's a police officer who stops a woman, a black woman. She pulls into a driveway in her home. Apparently, 
she didn't respond to the light. She kept going all the way till she got to home. And he's asking to see her license. She's refusing to produce a driver's license. She's refusing all of his instructions. And at this point, he tells her quite clearly that she is under arrest. And then he tells her he wants her to turn around and put her hands on top of her head and interlock her fingers. And she refuses. So then he reaches for her after asking her several times. She then pulls away from him. They get into a tug of war. Now, right there, I'm sure, uh, 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 sir, you can recognize what's going to go wrong. He continued to engage in a tug of war with her. She got away from him. She got back in her car. The car door was open. She backed the car up right into him and knocked him down. She could have killed him quite easily. He should have struck her and stunned her to prevent her from getting him back in that car. But it was clear, he, for whatever reason, he didn't want to. This is typical of officers when I see them get in situations where they fail to use an adequate enough level of force, and that doesn't get remarked upon often enough. And again, I understand the fact that police officers go too high uh, um, a level of force is important, vital to address. But people simply do not realize how often officers, officers fail to use enough force to begin with. I'd, I'd like Steve, to comment in terms of that. Yes, I, I, the incidents of which had brought all this stuff on, uh, police officers shooting unarmed black men, is, is, is doesn't fit into that category, I don't think. Uh, and I, I agree with you that uh, uh, they're using the right amount of force is a discretionary type thing for each officer. Well, there's a and, use of force and, continuum, and, which... Actually, which is, as you know, is developed by the National Institution of Justice, and it details the level of forces an officer can use in response to a level of force offered, and it often is an, a step or two above that that is offered by the suspect. Well, I, I'm not going to argue the case with you, but I'm still saying it's a discretionary thing that the officer uses that. Now, we know that uh, in some of the cases that we've seen, uh, the continuum could have been uh, a stun gun or a taser rather than 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 uh, and, and, uh, a revolver. We know that, uh, but like you say, but officers make those decisions out there, and and I think that uh, I know that that there are all kinds of uh, uh, police departments now that are reexamining those type of uh, discretionary things that the officers have the, have the ability to do. Uh, I, I, I just read about the Kansas City uh, Police Department. They are training folks in de-escalation. And, and so that continuum of, of force is going to be looked at. And I think that, once again, it, the culture involves in that also. We have to look at, we have got to value life each the, the the policy continuum force of policy should be the taking a person's life should be the last resort. It well, should if be you look the at the scale, resort. it actually is. But people have escalated that they moved that they moved the bar on that in some some cases. They have moved the bar, and that bar has to be it has to be reevaluated, and 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 what's going to have to happen. Is, is is the police departments are developing these continuums without input from the citizens, and we talk about community policing, 
and we never involve the community in 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 developing the policies. And 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 I think that that's where we go wrong, is that we have to have input from the citizens in all policy, especially the use of force policy. Go ahead, caller. Well, admittedly, uh, uh, th- there is a thorny uh, a contention as as of what the use of force should be authorized, and and I completely agree with you that police forces are uh, ostensibly and certainly should be completely under civilian control, and it is a matter of uh, the, the the civilian authorities being a civilian agency. Of course, they're under hell, the military is under civilian control, but but they should be uh, there should be input from the community determining what is uh, an officer's requisite use of force for any particular situation. But again, uh, we have, as you pointed out, sir, you have to err on the side of life, and that includes the officer's lives. And frankly, a baseball bat, while it may not be a firearm, it's certainly a lethal instrument, more people are killed by blunt objects, fists, feet, hammers, bats, than are killed by assault rifles every year in the United States. So it's clear that a baseball bat could be just as deadly as a firearm in the right circumstances. And under the right circumstances, the police officer should be allowed to use any level of deadly force to prevent an attack when lesser means are unavailable. So I think everything has to be weighed, including the respect for the life of the suspect and the life of the police officer and the life of the public that the police officers want to protect. It is a balancing act. It probably can never be definitively settled, but we can't say there's any pat answers on any side of the question, I agree with that. But we still have to we have to be discussed, and it has to be have it has to have the proper input. And right now, I don't see the proper input. And having uh, having uh, been a chief myself, uh, I didn't necessarily have all the input in policies that I should have had from the citizens. I really didn't. And I but I now am looking at that from a different perspective. I want to say this real quick. Uh, this is Rodney jumping back in. I want to say this real quick uh, before we move into rule number 10. I'm so glad that our uh, caller uh, just uh, pressed the number one and, and jumped in the conversation, and, and here's why. Unless you talk to police officers, you all, you're you only looking at this whole picture from one side because police officers have a view as well, and I think that, you know, if you've never been a police officer, then you don't understand what they are looking at. Going back to, I think it was rule number one or rule number two, I think it was rule number one uh, that, that Chief Moore said, police officers are do a much uh, better job of staying calm when they see that we are calm as citizens. And so if we are giving them all types of reasons, they don't know. See, and, and, and I used to uh, date a police officer in New York City, and one of the things that she told me one time was she said, if you, she said what we have to understand is that when a police officer is walking up on you or they're approaching you, you can see everything that they have, their gun, the belt, nightstick, you can see everything that they have. Those police officers don't know if or what we have on us. And so 
while we as citizens are afraid or there, there there's this bad blood between the, the community and the police, the police officers in some cases are just as afraid as you are. So it takes both parties to de-escalate the situation. Absolutely, absolutely. And let me take that a little bit further, Rodney. In in terms of uh, uh, the officers and the uh, and and the, and the citizens, uh, the police officers make every day. They go out and make stops uh, in order to control society uh, in in terms of the traffic and all the different things. And they just don't know who they're stopping. And 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 say for instance, you stop eight people a day, and you multiply that time five days a week, and and you just don't know who you're stopping. And you're, you're stopping all kind of uh, personalities. You're stopping all kind of people that had, may have had a bad day, but you might stop a person that had just robbed a bank or just, uh, or just raped somebody, and, that, and they're willing to kill you in order to get away. We've seen that happen. We've seen that happen too often. But that's what that officer faces every day. And that's why these rules are so important, because we want the police officer to go home every night, and we want the citizen to go home every night. And if, and if we learn to treat each other uh, respectfully, and if we learn to de-escalate these situations, everybody goes home, and everybody's a winner. I think that's the Go ahead, Corey. No, no, right, man. We need to cut you off. Go ahead and, and, and go ahead and make your point. I, I'll jump in when you get the, down. <laughs> the only thing I was going to say is that I, I, I think that is the key, uh, Chief. I think that education in this situation is the most important thing. So we have to train police officers and citizens have to be trained, and everybody has to be willing to take that training and apply it and not look at it as, well, you know, I'm not going to just suck up to the police or, um, you know, you know, we can't look at it as a bad thing. We have to look at it and say, you know what, if we're, if we're serious about Black Lives Matter or if we're serious about, you know, the, these altercations, you know, reduce, reducing these altercations, then we have to be willing to do our part. Go ahead, Corey. All right, so I'm going to change the conversation slightly a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm big on the, the community and the history part of it. In the black community uh, versus the most predominantly white, or I would say uh, middle-class community, we're heavily patrolled, heavily patrolled more so than any other community. Uh, and I would say, I'm, I would go as far as saying the, the uh, lower-income community is heavily patrolled. But since we're heavily, more heavily patrolled, we still have a, a higher crime rate. How do you make that correlation to us being so heavily controlled, have more police presence in our community, but our, high, our crime rate is still so high. But when you go to a unheavily controlled environment, the crime rate is not as high. We're not pulled over as often. We're not um, held up against the wall as often. How do you make that correlation? I have answered that question numerous times when I was in Jackson, Mississippi. I got okay. that very same question <laughs> numerous times. <laughs> and <laughs> so this is a rerun, <laughs> okay? Right. Okay, and you're in 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 the different areas of a community of a city. Uh-huh. You have different calls for service, and and we use what is called Comstat. 
calls we we identify where calls are coming we identify where criminal activity are coming and we have to put manpower in those particular areas in order to control it now the call for service call for service in afro american community is probably the highest of any uh group and okay. that means we have to put officers there for calls for service we have criminal activity in certain areas of certain towns. We have to put, and that calls for uh, more police present because the community is demanding that we put officers there. As I spoke okay. earlier, as I spoke earlier about the uh, older Afro American, they want more police protection, and I don't blame them. And but the younger folks saying we got too much because they're the one that's getting stopped. They're the ones that that's out on the front line out there, uh, and, and that's the one that I'm trying to get the, them to understand these rules and that uh, uh, that if they follow these rules, uh, they will eliminate eliminate a lot of the, the stops that they have. But, uh, but, the, but we have to put manpower where calls for service okay. And for where criminal activity is occurring, whether it's uh, and, and and that's just that's just the bottom line, and 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 I did this on a for every every week I would have my commanders come in and tell me just exactly where crime was occurring and what they were doing about it, and and a lot of time, uh, in, in, in let me give you an example right now, the community I live in right now. I don't see a police officer. Don't want to see him. I right. really don't. I'll be honest. Don't. I don't want to see him because uh, we don't have we don't have problems in my community. But but when 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 we know that people are are hitting folks upside the head with bricks, uh, hitting them upside the head with bats, having domestic problems, all kinds of things, we have to answer those calls, and that calls for manpower. Now, if we don't answer those calls, then we got another problem because you, as a citizen, going to say we didn't answer your call. Okay. So sometimes it put us in a catch twenty-two. But gotcha. you have to understand, we have to we have to try to protect that community. Sometimes we don't make the crime rate go down because number one, we have this relationship with the community where they don't want to turn in people that are victimizing them. You in my neighborhood, you know, you're going to get turned in, you're going to get called. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. When I lived in Jackson, Mississippi, and I lived in a up upscale neighborhood as a chief of police, my daughter came to visit me, and she was walking, unbeknown to me, she was walking outside up and down the street on her cell phone. Next thing I know, my own officers are knocking on my door, telling me that someone out in, in the street, they're walking, and that my neighbors called. And uh, but uh, but see that's 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 what we are trying to move our community to. They have to protect their own community by not allowing certain things to go on in your community. But but wow. as long as those calls for services are there, we as the police department we have to answer those calls. We have to put manpower. We have to put those cars over there in order to try to control that that stuff that goes on. And that's 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 just the reality of life. Now, if we can we can eliminate the stuff, we can we can cool back those cars out of that neighborhood. 
Keep, 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 you, you are coming with some heavy stuff tonight, man. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're, we're coming down to the last twenty minutes, Corey, Corey, and then we're gonna jump into rule number ten. Rule number ten. Go ahead. I, I was, I was to tell you go to rule number ten. I was following Rodney. Now. Okay, rule number ten is is a repeat of number four and five and six. What what we're doing? We're adding. Understand your rights under the 4th, 5th, and 6th Amendment. 4th Amendment, search and seizure. 5th Amendment, uh, right to remain silent. We hadn't talked about the 6th Amendment. When you have you, If you're arrested for a crime and you need a lawyer, you need to get yourself a lawyer. For the, that's that's uh, your right for counsel comes under that, that particular. So, and so you've got to know when you need counsel. Uh, to get you out out of situation, most of the time that we think we can talk our way out of situation, and uh, you can't, you can't talk your way out of situation. You got to know the law, you got to know the law, and and uh, and you got to know the exceptions to the law. And some of the things that we talked about, uh, if you when you look at the video, you'll it'll talk about the uh, searching of your home, how police officers. Uh, how we allow police officers to come search our homes with, with by giving them consent, and you got to have a warrant. But there are exceptions to that. We must know that they're on a, on a called exigent circumstances. We can enter your home without a warrant. And one of the things that happens in our community is that we will see young Afro Americans jump out of a car, run into somebody's house, running, think they're running from the police and run into the house, and that is called hot pursuit. Now, that would allow me to come directly into your home if you were jumping out of your car, car and uh, run into your house, and I'm chasing you. I now have the right to come into your house. Now, that, that opens up a whole new can of worms that if I'm in your house legally and if I see your marijuana on your trash and if I see a gun which a legal gun, and if you are a felon, and if you are a felon, you can't possess a gun. You can't possess a gun. So I don't know why you're running, but I know you're running. You're running from me, and I'm going to chase you, and I'm going to figure it out where it is, and if you're hiding in a house, I'm going to search that house to try to find you. Now, so that your actions gives me all kinds of options, all kinds of options to to search your house, to see if, not to search your house, but to see illegal activity in that house when I'm there, and I have a right, I have to act on it, because I can't, it's called omission of duty, and or commission of duty, and if I'm doing something wrong, that's commission, but if I'm doing something that I'm supposed to do, like arrest you for Something that or that you have illegal, that's a commission. Omission, I'm sorry. And a commission is when I do something wrong. So, so that's the law is complicated to a point, but it's simple, and we just have to understand uh, what it is in order to avoid these confrontations, in order to avoid spending unnecessary money that we don't need to be spending, and all kind of things that we can learn just by learning the law. 
Chief, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna uh, uh, have you just briefly discuss a few things before we let you go. When you and I uh, met a few weeks ago, um, and, and you looked at the workshop that I was doing about you know narrowing the gap between uh, the black males and, and the and the white police officers, one of the things that um, you 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 said to me was, well, what about the the black officers? What about the Hispanic officers? Uh, can you talk a little bit about their role? And, and, and all of this uh, negativity, if you will, that we're seeing because it's not just the white police, white male police officers who uh, who who are guilty of doing these things. Can you talk a little bit about you know what what, what our black officers are doing um, as well um, that need to be addressed? Yes, in in terms of the black officers, it, they turn into blue officers at times when they are just as guilty. Uh, of doing stuff that was illegal as some of the white police officers are. Uh, one of the things that we, we're doing here in Springfield, uh, we have uh, uh, met with the police chief, and uh, we, uh, my noble group, we uh, met with all of the police officers, over 200 of them, in the, in the police department here, because the chief wanted uh, them to be exposed to black police executives, and uh, and doing that uh, in-service training that which we had, we had conversations with the officers, and to our surprise, the black officers told us that they were being treated so badly in the black community by the black citizens that they just hated to patrol in that in our own neighborhoods. And and that was uh, surprising to me. I guess it should shouldn't have been, uh, but uh, but it was. And it and it came out that we have a problem. That they have a grievance uh, against the black community of, of how they are treating, not only how they are being treated, but support that they, that they need. Uh, and and I have uh, uh, I've never had that problem because I've always joined uh, Afro American. Uh, groups. Uh, I have a group called the Frontiers International. I belong to Noble. I belong to Rotary. I belong to groups as a police officer that I made sure that I had support uh, in terms of what I did because as being a chief of police or deputy chief of police, I needed that community support. But law officers, they don't know how to reach out to the community um, in most cases. And, and what we have developed right here in Springfield is a problem of, of Afro-Americans, and I, I know that's not only here in Springfield. It was also in Maywood, Illinois. We heard that in Maywood, and we're hearing it from all over the other places that, that the Afro-American community are treating its black officers very badly. And uh, so we are trying to correct that. We're trying... I've, I've, I've requested one of my groups to hold a meet and greet with uh, the black police officers, and and we also are doing another thing here. The black executives we are meeting with the police department uh, in in order to uh, forge a better relationship with them. So there, there's so many things that can do that 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 we can develop a better relationship with, and we have not when I, we cross our finger. We have not had any incidents in here in Springfield, Illinois, 
and we have told if you look at uh my video uh we had our mayor uh involved with the ten rules he'd been several presentations with the ten rules and 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 we're telling the police department as a community we're not going to have a Ferguson, Missouri here in, 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 in Springfield, Illinois. We're just not going to have, we're telling the police that, we're telling the mayor that, and we're just not going to have these incidents happen in our community. We don't want them. And now I have pulled my Rotary group in, and I'm getting them to tell the folks, we're not going to have these incidents because the white community businesses are getting destroyed, and they didn't quite understand that's their problem too, that they can't remain silent any longer, uh, about these police brutality that's going on in our community because it's indirectly directly affected, not indirectly, but it's affecting them more if they get their businesses burnt down, but yet they're keeping their mouths closed when it comes to uh, white police officers brutalizing black citizens. And I'm telling them, you can't no longer do that. We all have to speak up because Dr. King said if it affects you one group, it's eventually going to affect the other, and we've seen that. That's that's good information. Uh, we're we're winding down here on time, so I want you to uh, uh, also briefly uh, something that we talked about um, earlier this evening. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what background checks, uh, what impact those have on on people uh, in their careers, especially our young people, and also about uh, social media and, and 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 just posting things recklessly? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I, I'm pleased to talk about the background. Background investigations are killing our youth. We are we are getting uh, things in our background that is stopping us from getting those fifty thousand dollar jobs. Uh, we we just had a police test here in Springfield, Illinois, and uh, uh, we had three Afro Americans that were in. They scored well enough to get into the top tier of the of the police number one tier and two tier and and uh next thing i know i'm getting a call from one of them and saying the civil service commission uh eliminated me and he was the only one in tier one but he had about four different arrests he had gotten all kind of things that had occurred in his background when he was young and he was only 20 i think he's 23 now but he had problems that was 19 and 18, and and we have now in Tier 2, uh, we've had two more persons to get eliminated because of background investigation. We have simply got to change our way of doing business uh, in terms of we got to start looking at what careers that we're going to go in. It doesn't matter what career that you're going into now. You've got to have a background investigation. If you want to go into federal government, you're going to have a background investigation. If you do anything in the world anymore, you're going to have a background investigation. But these three officers would have been starting here in Springfield, Illinois, at $50,000 apiece for the police department right here. And, and they got eliminated because of arrest and conviction that they should not have had as young people. And now, but there is there is hope. Uh, there is that we we're there's an expungement process. We're trying to help some of these young folks to expunge those records uh, that they've had when they got. But but the best thing is to eliminate them. 
You've got to eliminate those things that occur in your background so that you won't have to be looking over your shoulder and explaining to the employer why you did certain things in, in terms of your background. Criminal investigations, are, uh, you've got to get rid of those things out of the background. Thank you so much, Chief Corey. Any any last words as we as we start to wind down here? Uh, my last words were: It's been a long time since I've been speechless, and this is one of those times <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> uh, you and me both, Chief. Will you give out your uh, your information? How can people get in touch with you? Um, how can they? Can you talk a little bit about your book again? Um, Tell us about. I know you you're you're always on the road traveling. I think you said you're going to uh, Mississippi tomorrow. So any upcoming events? Uh, we have listeners uh, all over the country, so uh, they could definitely uh, uh, reach out to you or or make it out to the event. So can you uh, just share those uh, share that information yes. with us? I'm I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, on uh, Thursday uh, for a presentation on cops' advice. I'm calling this one a cop's advice on when stopped by the police, uh, and uh, we'll be doing that at the National Conference of uh, the Black Students, uh, National Conference there in Louisiana. And, of course, we were pleased to be in uh, Washington, D.C. with the National Youth Summit where we met you and uh, were pleased to sit through your wonderful presentation. And thank you for sitting through the Ten Rules. And uh, we have, I think we've all benefited from from our individual presentations to one another. and uh, But my book can be purchased uh, at uh, blackmarshallpublishing.com and uh, Barnes and & Nobles and uh, Amazon.com. And uh, so the best way of getting it, the quickest way of getting it, is use my uh, website at blackmarshallpublishing.com. Uh, we are on dis- distributor, and uh, we have been in the business not only from uh, – from a book standpoint of view, the book is the Black U.S. Marshals in America, uh, the President's Men, Black U.S. Marshals in America, and uh, it was written because we were left out of history, and in, in at the highest level of government, and so uh, I am now impacting that, and we're fortunate. Next year, I've asked the Justice Department, uh, the Marshal Service, to celebrate our 140th anniversary. Frederick Douglass was appointed. On uh, March 17, 1877, as the first black U.S. Marshal. And uh, next year, uh, we're going to celebrate 140 years of uh, service of black marshals to this country. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Next week, uh, everyone, real quick, next week we have another Dynamite show prepared for you guys. We're actually going to be uh, speaking to people who are actually in Flint, Michigan, uh, dealing with the water crisis up there, and in Detroit, dealing with the uh, all of the. It, it, I don't know if you guys keep up with, with with the news and what's happening and where it's happening, but Detroit public schools um, for the longest time has been in bad shape. So we're going to actually be talking to people who have firsthand experience with what's going on in Detroit public schools and what's going on in Flint, Michigan. So we hope that each and every one of you will come back. Uh, I promise you, you do not want to miss what these people have to say because the news doesn't tell everything. But uh, it, it definitely means a whole lot when you are listening to people who either been through it 
or who are going through it. So we definitely want you guys to come back next Monday. I believe the following Monday after that, uh, February 22nd, uh, Corey is going to be our guest because him and Tammy have a, a, a an excellent program coming up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee at the end of the month. Corey, do you want to say anything to that? Yes, what we're doing is we're having a Black History Program uh, on February 27th at 3 o'clock in Covington, Tennessee. Uh, it's aimed at the youth. We're trying to change the focus and the dynamics of how we're perceiving black history and how we're reaching our, our community. So we're focusing strictly on the youth. We're trying to change out what we're getting out of out of our community, which is the youth. And hopefully within the next two generations that pay off will we'll be returned. So that's kind of what our event is about. All right, all right. Just as a final thought to everyone out there, uh, again, we don't have a perfect system. We don't live in a perfect world. It is your responsibility to save your life. And the way that you do that when it comes to dealing with the police, you cooperate, you stay cool, you stay calm, you remember everything that happened during your interaction if it starts to go bad, and immediately write it down, do a good report, and turn it in. As Chief Moore stated, his first day on the job in Jackson, Mississippi, he had to fire an officer for misconduct, and he wanted to send a message that he was not going to tolerate it. So the same way we as citizens want bad police officers off the streets, please know that these police chiefs want these bad officers off the streets just as bad as we do but we as citizens have to do our part. We want to thank Chief Moore again for, for carving out two hours for us tonight. We know that he has a busy schedule. Please connect with him. Please purchase his book. We hope that you all have a blessed week and a great night, and we'll see you back here next Monday, same time, same station. Until then, good night, everybody.
everything is passing me by. Every now and then, it's feeling like my ship has gone and sailed away. But I, I gotta be strong. Gotta hold on. It won't be too long. Now the tide is coming. 